0: everyone it's Leslie Ludy host of the Set Apart Girl podcast biblical encouragement for women of all ages today we're going to talk about enjoying life in a godly way now that may sound kind of strange at first when you first hear that but i really want to look at this popular cultural mindset that tells us constantly that we need to get everything that we can out of life, experience new and exciting things, try new things, go on adventures, have fun, have fun, have fun, and that temptation to live for pleasure is all around us. It's really easy when you just even open your email, maybe you've subscribed to like Groupon or one of those types of sites, every single thing they seem to send has to do with like this comedy show or this concert or this sporting event or this new exciting thing you can try or this spa treatment, and all of it is centered around the pleasures of this life. It's really easy with all the advertising and the cultural messages that are surrounding us today to fall into the mindset that says, I'll be happy when I can experience the best that life has to offer. So we have this idea that if we could just travel and have adventure and get the best of the entertainment that's out there and have social excitement and go to all the exciting parties and events, and just really experience the pleasures and material comforts of this life, it will bring happiness into our lives. It will make us feel content. And that's certainly what the culture and the advertisers want us to believe. And when we fall into that mindset, it can leave us feeling like we need to always find that next exciting thing that is going to bring us happiness and joy. Because we might try something or experience something that gives us that temporary high High, but then the fun wears off the excitement wears off and then it's it leaves us hanging we have to go out there and find that next big thing that's going to truly bring excitement into our lives and i've heard it said that the reason people do crazy things like skydiving or going um you know cage diving with great white sharks is because they're just trying to get the biggest thrill that they possibly can and they've tried other things and it's brought them excitement but then that thrill has has worn off and they need that that sense of thrill to come back. And I think even as Christians, whether or not you're going to cage dive with a great white shark, even as Christians, we can still fall into that same mentality. You may not be a thrill seeker, but it's easy to build your life around the pursuit of pleasure and life enjoyment. So it leads me to ask the question, is it wrong to enjoy the pleasures of this life? Or is it something we should be building our lives around? I really believe that God gave us things in this earth to enjoy. He gave us the beauty of nature and just the enjoyment of his creation and relationships with other people and just the pleasure of food and new experiences and seeing new places. But it's so critical that we enjoy this life in a godly way rather than a self-seeking, pleasure-seeking way. 1 Timothy 5.16 says that she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And basically, that verse is talking about the fact that if we look to earthly things to fulfill us and temporary pleasures of this world to bring us happiness, we are only going to go from one temporary high to the next. The reality is that true happiness can only be found when we live for eternity. I love this quote by C.T. Studd. You may have heard me say it before. Only one life, it will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. So, we need to be asking ourselves the question as we walk through this life, as we enjoy the things that God has put here for us to enjoy, are we living with an internal mindset? Are we investing into things that are going to last for eternity, or are we simply going from one temporary high to the next? I think the book of Ecclesiastes is such an incredible reminder to us that there is only one thing that can truly satisfy, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was reading through a commentary on Ecclesiastes by J. Vernon McGee, and he said, In Ecclesiastes, we learn that without Christ, we cannot be satisfied even if we possess the whole World. Now, I just want to read you a portion of Ecclesiastes. This book was written by Solomon, who had really reached the absolute pinnacle of earthly pleasure. God had blessed him um, early in his reign as king with riches and honor because he had asked for wisdom and because he had asked a, a wise thing, a good thing, a godly thing. God then blessed him with basically all of the earthly pleasures you can possibly imagine and at the end of his life he's reflecting back on how he went after pleasure and how he surrounded himself with all the pleasures of this world and his final conclusion is all of this is vanity so here's a portion of that that book i said in my heart come now i will test you with mirth therefore enjoy pleasure but surely this also was vanity i said of laughter madness and of mirth what does it accomplish I searched in my heart to know how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom, how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants Born in my house. I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold, and the special treasures of the king and the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was the reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Wow, so here is a man who had everything life could possibly offer, all of the riches, all of the comforts, all of the entertainment, all of the achievement that you could ever have in this life. And at the end, he looks back on it and says all is vanity in grasping for the wind. Now these verses are actually not there in the Bible to just depress us with the futility of life. That is what I actually used to think that Ecclesiastes was, which is this book of futility and hopelessness. I believe that these verses remind us that when we pursue and even attain the very best that life has to offer, it actually doesn't bring us true joy. The Bible makes it so clear that we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory Not when we pursue earthly pleasures, but when we build our lives around heavenly treasure. If you've ever talked to anyone at the end of their life who has built everything around success and pleasure and climbing the ladder, you'll usually hear them say that it really didn't fulfill them and that they're regretful of how they spent their lives. Then on the other hand, if you ever talk to someone at the end of their life who has built their life around eternal things and they truly have treasure in heaven, you'll find that they're joyful and fulfilled and eager to enter into eternity, even if they've experienced very little of life's earthly pleasures. I remember hearing about a missionary who gave his entire life for winning souls and building the kingdom of God. And he was surrounded by his family as he was dying and realized he had very little earthly treasure to leave them as a legacy, but he had so much treasure in heaven and so much spiritual legacy to pass on to them. And his family was so blessed beyond if he had left them a huge inheritance. Laying up treasure in heaven means investing your time, your energy, and your resources into things that actually have eternal value. Now, this doesn't mean that enjoying the good things that God has given us in this life is wrong. It just has to be kept in proper balance. And so many of us as modern American Christians have been trained to live for personal fun and pleasure and enjoyment rather than living for eternity. So it's all in where our focus lies and what our lives are built around. When we build our lives around temporal pleasures and we look to earthly things for our joy and comfort, the Bible says that we are dead while we live. And yet if we're building our lives around eternity, we can enjoy the things in life that God puts here for us to enjoy without letting us derail us from our eternal focus. So I just want to give you a few practical ways to enjoy the things that God has given us on this earth while maintaining an eternal focus. Because as I said earlier, God has given us a beautiful world to experience and to delight in. And my husband, Eric, and I, we love to hike and enjoy nature. We love to take bike rides. We love to go on fun family adventures with our kids. And even when I'm doing fun or recreational things, God's challenged me to just keep my focus centered on him and built around his priorities for my life. I think oftentimes we have this mentality that when we're doing something recreational, or fun or relaxing, we have to unplug from our spiritual life and kind of enjoy life for a while and then plug back into God. But God actually intends us to walk with him throughout everything that we do in every single day, even if it's something that is for fun and relaxation. God has really challenged me that when I'm on an outing with my kids, there are really two different ways I can approach it. If I'm there to build meaningful relationships with my children and enjoy nature with them, then I'll spend my time really just noticing God's creation and engaging with my children, even though I may be doing something relaxing or recreational, my focus is still on something that has eternal value, which is cultivating relationships with my family the other option is to go out on a recreational outing, maybe to the beach or something. Maybe I'm with my family, but my mentality is I just want to be by myself and have me time and rest and relax, but in a selfish way. And usually if I have that mentality, I kind of tune my family out and try to look for ways that I can indulge in selfish pleasure. And one attitude is pleasing to God, enjoying his creation, enjoying the good things in life that he's given me, but still cultivating things that have, eternal value. The other is basically just built around selfish pleasure. I deserve this. I deserve to turn my mind off from spiritual things, to tune out the world and just focus on myself. So as you go about your daily life, I would encourage you to prayerfully examine the motives Behind why you spend the time doing the things that you do. When you're evaluating any activity, I would encourage you to ask yourself some questions. Am I doing this for selfish reasons or God honoring ones? Is this activity just frivolous and pointless or does it really serve a higher purpose? And even if that purpose is to be refreshed and renewed so that you can uh, be even stronger for what God has called you to, that is still a valuable thing as long as you're not unplugging from your relationship with God and having to plug into the values of this world in order to do that. So here are some ways that you can tell whether an activity has eternal value. It causes you to draw closer to Jesus Christ and learn more about him, or it builds meaningful relationships with people that God has put in your life. It helps you bless others and assists you in sharing the love of Christ with them, It helps you become better equipped for what God has called you to, and it leaves you peacefully refreshed instead of agitated and distracted. Maybe you've had that experience where you've gone to a show or a movie or an event, and it was just really not based on truth, and it kind of left you distracted, consumed with worldly things, agitated in your spirit, rather than truly refreshed. Another thing to look at is, does this activity bear good fruit or bad fruit in your life? And you can read Galatians 5, 19 through 26, which talks about the difference between the the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the flesh. And that list can be really telling as far as whether an activity is bearing good fruit or bad fruit in your life. So it can be really helpful as you're evaluating whether these choices in your life are serving God's purposes and and really focusing you on eternity. It can be helpful to write down the specific things that you know that God has called you to and then compare your free time activities or your daily activities against those things. So for example, during this time of my life, I know that God has called me to cultivate my relationship with him, to serve my husband and my children, to be a keeper of my home, and to give my time and energy to the ministry that he's entrusted to me. And so when I'm evaluating my activities, I look at my pastimes and my free time activities in light of whether they are really assisting me in those priorities or pulling me away from those priorities. So if it has to do with you know reading a book or Um, studying something on how I can be a better wife and mother, that's definitely in alignment with what God has called me to. But just spending an hour chit-chatting on the phone with a friend about frivolous, meaningless things while my kids run out of control around the house and I sort of ignore my family, that doesn't align with God's priorities for me in this season. If, If I feel led to email a friend who's in need of truth and encouragement, that does fit what God has called me to in this season. But texting about meaningless and trivial things throughout the day does not. So that might give you a little idea of how I apply these things on a daily basis. Remember, the Bible says that even the smallest areas of our lives like eating and drinking should be done for His glory and not for our own selfish pleasure. So when you allow your daily activities to serve God's purposes for your life rather than your own, you will begin to gain an eternal focus in everything you do. I want to finish by remembering a story that I love from the book The Hiding Place. That's Corrie Ten Boom's story about being persecuted for taking a stand for the Jews during. During the Holocaust, but she writes about her sister Betsy, who actually died in the concentration camp that they were put in. Before they went into that camp, Betsy had this incredible gift for creating beauty, and she loved flowers and she loved beautiful things and she loved to cook. And everywhere she went and everything she did, she used that gift of beauty to bless and to serve others. And it was so neat to read her story and realize that she was enjoying the beautiful and good things that God had given her in this life. But she was also doing those things to bless others. And even when she was put in a prison cell, Corey had the opportunity to walk by that prison cell and see that Bessie had transformed it the best she could with what she had into a place of beauty. She had arranged food packages a certain way and hung coats a specific way on the walls and rolled the bed mats and just added that sparkle of life and beauty and created that, that gift to others even in a prison cell. So whatever God has given you a specific... specific bent towards uh, that has to do with just enjoying um, the gifts that he's given you or the beauty that he's given uh, you in this life or in his creation, I would encourage you to remember Betsy Ten Boom and cultivate that with an eternal focus and an eye that says, how can I use this to bless and serve others and to serve God's purposes for my life? I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to go deeper into this topic of living a Christ-centered life and bringing every area of your life under his direction, I encourage you to join us May 25th and 26th in Colorado for our upcoming Set Apart Conference, or you can simulcast the event all throughout the year. Just go to setapartgirl.com to learn more about this life-changing weekend, and I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.